Bokertov, we are continuing Sefer Melachim, Melachim Aleph. And we are in the ninth chapter. Do you remember what was the last pasuk we did? I believe. I was say we did 19, yeah. yeah we did 19. So let's just quickly review what we're doing. Uh, in this chapter, uh, what happened at the beginning of the chapter? So first, God, Shlomo had this, had this vision. right? He had a vision which God told him, look, I will... You will be established and your tefillah will be answered, but it's dependent on you st- clinging to the ways of God and to the ways of your father, David. And if you don't, then this building will be destroyed. Okay? And it was after 20 years that he built the, the two home, the two, the, the two houses, the house of God and his own house. Uh, they had this transaction with cities, right? Where Shalomon wanted to pay Hiram... With 20 cities in Israel And he gave him cities that were called Kavul They were called uh, cities that were like They were like uh, uh, According to the Perush They would trap your feet Meaning it was like marshland And you couldn't really do anything with it And Hiram was unhappy with the cities Now I told you I would tell you what Alex Israel said Alex Israel sees this as the Introduction to the flaws of Shilamah we see all of the great wealth and all of the amazing accomplishments of Shalomah. And so far, we have not seen any like, lack of abundance. And then for the first time, Hiram is, is maybe asking for some form of payment for more services that he's been providing that Shalomah wasn't, didn't pay for. And Shalomah pays him in cities, which is already questionable because why would you give away cities in Israel? Um, remember what the Ralbag said about that? Exchange of cities. It was an exchange of cities because how could he actually give away cities? But first of all, he's giving, giving it in cities and on and payment, and he's not even happy with the payment, Khiram. So Alex Israel sees this as potentially we're starting to see like a crack in Shalomo's armor or a crack in, in, his, uh, in his persona of the, the all wealthy. There is, there is starting to be some, some lack, some constraint. Also, what we saw before is he was paying Khiram in, in food before, right? Maybe there wasn't as much abundance one year And he didn't have enough extra food to pay him that much So he had to give him in cities But we're starting to see that The wealth of Shilomo is not necessarily endless So that's the introduction of, of and, and maybe the lesson would be That if you go so far in, in extravagance And building projects You potentially run into an issue In which you run out of money mm-hmm. Right? So uh, live within your means, basically, would be the, the lesson. Okay. And then Hiram sends him 120 uh, 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 talents of gold, which is a lot. Uh, some opinions say this was Hiram trying to say, although I didn't like your payment of cities, I, I want to show that we're still on good terms, something like that. Okay, And then we go through the two things. The conscri- conscription force that Shilomo had built in order to build all of these projects. That's going to be in verses 20 or 21 and on. And then in these few, first few ver- verses, we're going to go through some of the projects that Shilomo did. So what were the projects? Bet Adonai, the house of God, the Bet HaMikdash. Et Beto, his own house. Remember we said he had like the house, the forest house and his own house of judgment and so on. And the Milo, the Milo is not exactly sh- clear what it is. They say it was like a, it was like a walled off, um, basically like a, an area of dirt that was walled off with like a retaining wall. And it was just an open area. And it was a place where people would gather because it was very open. 
it was a very large open area right next to the house of the king. And this was a place where whenever B'nai Israel would gather on the Shalosh Regalim and there would be a lot of people coming at the same time, it would be like a camping zone. That was good because it was in a very central location and it was very large. So a lot of people could come and the people loved the Milo. The Milo was a place where people would gather and it made their lives a lot easier. He made the wall of Yerushalayim. According to the art scroll, the reason he made the wall is because he had to rebuild the wall of Yerushalayim because he added so much to Yerushalayim. And when he built the city up, rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash, building the Beit HaMikdash and then building his house, multiple houses and so on, he had to also rebuild the walls surrounding the entire city because the city was expanded. And then these are different cities. Chatzor and Megiddo are different cities. And then Gazer. Now for Gazer, there's going to be an interjection. Why would Shilamo rebuild Gezer? So he rebuilt Gezer because it was actually not a city that was conquered at the time of Yoshua. It was conquered in the next pasuk, it says, by Paro. And Paro, the king of Egypt, had given it to his daughter, the wife of Shilamo, as a gift. And that's why that was also, Gezer was on the list of things that Shilamo had to build. Uh, so he built Gezer and Bet Choron Tachton and Baalat, Bet Tadmor, Bamidbar, Baaretz, and he built these places called Baalat and Tadmor in the desert and in the land. And all of the storehouses that were for Shilomo. And he had cities for the chariots. Uh, I, I forgot, always forget the difference, the, tra- the way they translate the Rechev and Parashim. Cavalry. Cavalry. And anything that he desired to build in Yerushalayim or in the Lebanon and all the lands of his dominion. Okay, so this, this is all of the building projects. He built multiple cities outside of Jerusalem. He rebuilt Jerusalem. He built the Milo. All of these things he built. And who were the workers that were, were uh, conscripted to build all of these things? These were all of the people that le- were left over from the Chitites, the Prizites, the Chivites, that were not from B'nai Israel. And if you look in chapter 5 of the book of Melachim, it said that the number of people that he had working for him was 150,000 people. So this was a large force of largely non-Jewish people. Mm. And Farshim say that if a Jew wanted to work, he could. But it was mostly these, these, the remnants of the land that were conquered, that were doing all of this labor. And the, the kids of these People, the Chibi, Wusi, the Chiti, Prizi, Chibi, these people, their kids, that the Bnei could not destroy them. Shalomo brought them on as workers. Vayalem Shalomo lemas, Oved, as forced labor, or taxed labor, or labor tax. Ada Yomazeh, until this day, meaning, 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 until much later on, they were always serving as workers for the kingdom. When it says Ada Yom is until like the day this, and this Melachim was, so, was ri- written? Probably the time the, the Melachim was written, probably like by, who, who, uh, Yirmiyahu. Who was it? Uh, no, Melachim is by Yirmiyahu. According to Chachamim, it's by Yirmiyahu. Because okay. Melachim goes all the way to the destruction of the Beit, of the Beit HaMikdash. It was like a, it's a story about how the Beit HaMikdash came to be destroyed. So it makes sense that Yirmiyahu, who was around when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, was the one who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Okay, from Bnei Israel, Shalom didn't bring on as, as slave labor. Because they were designated to be part of the army. And they were his servants and his ministers. And his ministers, ministers. And the ministers in charge of the cavalry and the chariots.
Okay, so uh, so you see the breakdown. You have Bnei Israel serving in like the ministerial roles and in the army, and then you have the non-Jewish remnants of the land, the non-Israelite. Jewish is kind of like anachronistic. The non-Israelite remnants of the land that are doing the, the labor, and it's a lot of labor, and um, there is a, it's a lot of gold because he's, he gets a lot of gold from Chiram, and it's, a, it's just a very, very, very large project. He doesn't pay any of these uh, uh, go- goyim laborers? Probably, probably not the remnants in the non-Israelite laborers. That was a mas ovid. That was a, a labor tax imposed on them. You want to live in the land, you have to work. You want to live in the land, you have to work, exactly. Something like that. There is a makhluket between Rashi and Ramban. And there's a path, I've gone, I went through this in the class on Yoshua about the, the, whether it's allowed to keep, of these seven nations, whether it's allowed to keep them alive in the land. According to Rashi, you're not allowed to keep them alive under any circumstances because the Torah says you have to destroy these seven nations and if not, they're going to be a thorn in your side and they're going to cause you very many issues. According to the Ramban, if they convert and they accept the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, not convert, but if they accept the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, meaning they accept the basic fundamentals of Yahadut, mm-hmm. then you could leave them in the land. So according to the Ramban, that's what they did. They were, these people were, were keeping Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach and for that reason, Shalomo wasn't required to get rid of them and because of his kindness in keeping them alive, despite the fact that Am Yisrael was transcendent at this point, uh, he, uh, he turned them into slaves as like payment for his generosity and not slaying all of them. Okay? Pasuk Kaf Gimel. What is it? How many people is that? These are the people... That were 550 men were directed. Right, these were the people who were in charge of the work that was by Shalomo. 550 men that were, that were ruling over the, the workers that were actually doing the work. Ruling over the 150,000? Yeah, ruling over the 150,000, right? So there are 550 men who were in charge of the 150,000. Now, Pasuk Kafdalid is very interesting. Ah, bat paro aletami ayir David el betaha asher bana laha az bana et hamilo. Bat paro, he then took out of his house, he took her from Ir David to a house that he built for her. That was not inside Ir David. And why would he do that? Because Ir David is where? In Yerushalayim. And he felt like he shouldn't have his wife be in Yerushalayim proper because it's not a respectful place to engage in marital, typical marital uh, activities. So he moved her to a different house that he built for her. And then he built the Milo. Now what is this Pasuk saying? It's, very, it's a little bit of a cryptic Pasuk. Uh, didn't we already say that he built the Milo? So according to many commentators, he actually built the Milo again now. But this was actually to the chagrin of Bnei Israel Because when he built Bat Paro's house, he built it next to the Milo. And then he found the Milo, which was an open space. He said, ah, perfect, this is a park. Who needs the park? Let me use it and rebuild it for the use of Bat Paro's servants and so on. So he ended up taking the Milo that was a public square and converting it into houses for the workers of Bat Paro. And Ben Yisrael were very upset about this because that was a place that they would gather during the Regalim and they were able to, they were able to pitch their tents and it was a great location and it was a wide expanse of land but Shalomo saw an empty land. He said, okay, I could use this for my, my wife. He moved Bat Paro out of Ir David. Next to the Milo, he built her house. And then he built the Milo. He built it up to, to, to service the house of Bat Paro. 
So uh, maybe a negative thing there, according to the commentators, it was a negative. And Shilomon brought three times a year, he brought Olot and Shilamim on the Mizbeach that he built for Hashem, meaning in the Beit HaMikdash. And he would, he would burn... Uh, uh, I don't know what it's referring to, the akter. Incense? Or it's referring to the fat? You'd burn incense on it uh, that was before God, on the Mizbeach that was before God, and he thereby completed the house. Meaning, he not only did Shilomo build the house, he also supported the service to make sure that the service was always running and it was always well-funded enough that all the things could be brought, all the korbanot and the incense could be brought. And by doing that, he completed the inauguration of the house because now it was actually functioning and in use. But in the commentary, the, by completed, it also means he completed the rotation of the Levim and the Kornim mm. going into the Bayan Dash and He completed the system. The system uh, that they go in every month or however it works and do their works in the Bayan Dash. That's interesting. Let's see. And he brought up the Kwanim and the Levim and he put them in their stations. Okay, good. Final thing is going to talk about the Shilomo's uh, maritime force that he builds. In Etzion Gever, Shilomo built a fleet of, of ships. Asher et Elot al Sefat Yamsuf which was near Elot, next to Yamsuf in the land of Edom. Meaning he had a city uh, that he controlled called Etzion Gever. He built a maritime force over there. It was in the land of Edom. I think at this point, Ben Israel owned this land. And Hiram sent with uh, his own maritime force, his servants, uh, people that knew about ship building and so on, or knew how to, how to run ships and, and uh, sail ships, people who were Yodei Hayam, Imav De Shilomo, and they supported the servants of Shilomo in their own maritime enterprises. And they, Hiram and Shilomo's fleets, together with the help of Hiram's more expert fleets, they came to Ophir, which some say is on the eastern shore of Africa. They took 420 talents of gold from Ophir. And they brought it to the king Shilomo. So now Shilomo is becoming very, very wealthy. He has tons and tons and tons of tribute? gold. Um, I mean, look, I don't know. I think, I think it was just, there was just a lot of gold in the land. And I don't know exactly how, maybe the people of Ophir gave it as tribute. We're done. You're staying here, of course. I'm going. Um, let's see, actually, one last thing. What Did the people of Ophir give it or did they take it? I'm curious as to that. It doesn't say. Just says it was. They probably took it because it was, says it's famed for its gold. It was apparently located somewhere in the western coast of Africa, but its exact location oh, on the is not known. Coast. Based on ancient stone inscriptions, Rabbi Israel. It says, it's in Peru. It says it's in Peru. That's a crazy one. Peru's far. That's crazy. That's very far. <laughs> Western okay, Africa they went. They went and far. they fetched gold from somewhere using their yeah. newly conscripted maritime force. That wasn't very. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.